0: In our study, Street Smart, Godly Kids, we turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Our study leader, Dave Wurtson, reviews some important insights into the connection between the sex and money drive, and the drive necessary to become mature in decision making. Proverbs chapter 4 then has some fascinating things to teach us about this trip called life. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. We began our study and entitled this chapter, Keep Your Heart Healthy. And we were able to get through just the first discourse, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. We want to pick it up at that point with Proverbs chapter 4. Remember that the setting in life is a daddy who's got his arm around his son and he's comforting his son and teaching his son. This father knows where he's going, he knows what he believes. He knows that his teaching, if it's followed, will produce a healthy, long life for his son. And so he begins in verse 10 to to talk to his son about if you're going to have a healthy heart, we have a moral, spiritual heart, and we need to be healthy in our internal man, our personality. And our personality makes choices. And the father was trying to help us to realize how it wasn't so vital that we fall in love with the right woman. And the woman we're talking about is ultimately lady wisdom. This embodiment, this personification of skillful living. Just like a young adolescent boy begins to be really attracted to the opposite sex, the father says, son, just like you have that kind of drive, To want to be able to have uh, some friendships and begin dating. I want you to really begin dating wisdom, you might say. I want you to begin courting lady wisdom. I want you to become skillful in the way you live your life. We also learn that the father appeals to his son and daughter along the lines of that same drive to make money. Just like you have a drive to make money so you can buy that big, powerful pickup truck. The father says, son, I want you to have a drive to become skillful in the way you live your life. And so the father very wisely welds together these two powerful emotions that drive towards the opposite sex and that drive for material things. And he says, son, there's something far more valuable than either one of those possessions, and that is to have wisdom deep, deep in your heart. Now that's going to involve a choice. Every young person, every adult are walking down some road. I don't know whether the jargon has changed, but I know that there was a time when they have the straights, they have the freaks. Very descriptive names. It's Very interesting, they're picking up on the same kind of Hebrew word that's used right here in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 is going to talk about there's a straight way, there's a smooth way, there's a way that's free of obstacles. It's the way of loving Jesus Christ. It's the way of obeying God's commandments through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that all of us can make a decision about whether we want to walk down that pathway in life. There's another group of people that are just living for the moment, just living to have a good time now. You live from one party to the next. You live from one bodily thrill to the next. Who cares about tomorrow? And there's a walkway that you can turn into that that's the kind of lifestyle you follow. Now, Proverbs chapter 4 talks about where are those two different pathways are going to end up. And something that really scares the daylights out of me is that in a church, it's awfully easy to be right in the middle. You're not sure which way you want to go. So when you're with the youth group or when you're with the believers in your caring group or when you're with believers Sunday morning, you're walking the straight way. But man, you walk out of this door and you just said, man, you know, that other way looks really attractive too. And you haven't really nailed it down, who you're going to identify with, what road you're going to walk down. And that will really mess you up. The father begins at verse 10, introducing this idea of the choice of two ways. Listen, my son. And this fellow's a lot older than I am, so he can call all of you son, daughter. He says, listen, my son and daughter. Accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. As a pastor teacher, the normative principle is if you follow what the Holy Scripture teaches, you're going to live longer. And that's honest to goodness truth It's not a promise It's a statement of normative principle Jesus Christ lived straighter than anybody that ever lived And he died at 33 But that was because the Lord in heaven had another plan It was because there was something more wonderful, more marvelous And in the ultimate scheme of thing The Lord Jesus really has had a long life Housed forever for longevity And I want you to really understand that God is for you God is in your corner. God is the one that really loves you. The enemy hates your guts. He wants to deceive you and he wants to murder you. It's only in the Word of God and by obeying God's Word that we're going to find years of life. And those are not just longevity. There's some real crooks, some real wicked people that live long lives. And the Psalms wrestled with that problem of how did the evil prosper? Job wrestled with that problem, but it's still a normative principle that if you follow the plan of God, you'll have an abundant, long life. Because I'm going to say this, I guide you in the way of skillful living. I lead you along straight paths. This daddy says to his son, when you walk, son or daughter, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to my instruction, what I'm teaching you. Don't let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Proverbs chapter 2 started to talk to us about this way. Remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which in many ways is the heartbeat of the book of Proverbs. Depend upon the Lord with all your internal being. The word we've been talking about. Depend upon me with all your personality. Think my thoughts, feel my feelings. Decide with me with your will. Depend upon me with all your internal being. Don't depend upon your own ability to make decisions about what is morally and spiritually right and what is wrong. In everything you do in a daily experience, enjoy an intimate relationship with me. The purpose of life is to be close to the Savior, and I'll make your highway for you. That's what the psalm is saying. It's like R.G. Letourneau's big earth-moving machine. When he was alive, he came up with a machine that you could take into Africa. And in the front of the machine, it would knock down big trees, roll over boulders, and it would just crumble all this stuff up, grind up the wood, spit it out. And when the front of the machine, there was a jungle you could never get through. You could never make it. At the back end of the machine would be a macadam road. Only R.G. Letourneau could do that. There were some hangups in the machine, but the machine was like that. What Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is that there's a great, marvelous creator who's much more powerful than R.G. Letourneau ever would be. Because R.G. went from bankruptcy to being a multimillionaire, back to bankruptcy, back and forth. But he had a creative mind. Well, God the Father doesn't shift back and forth at all. He's got all the capital needed to make a highway for your life to walk down. And I covet for every one of you that you'll be walking on God's highway because it's another highway that's full of all kinds of pitfalls. It goes on to talk about another road you can walk down. And this road isn't straight. It's not a way that it's safe. It's not a way that you can move easily down. If you run down this pathway, if you get moving fast in life like some of us do, you ever feel like your schedule's kind of lickety-split, moving along faster than you can take? Boy, if you're on this road, watch out, because this road is rough. The bumps are going to tear the living daylights out of your life. And he says this, don't set foot on the path of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of evil men. The word that's used for evil men means men that mean you harm, men that will hurt you. There are people out there that we're going to be introduced to. We've been introduced to them in chapter 1 with the criminal that's enticing us to a life of crime. In chapter 2, we're introduced to the wicked man who has a perverted mouth and he's twisted. Later on in the book, we're going to be introduced to a guy that can never look at you straight in the eye. He's always shuffling his feet. He's always looking around. He's always sneaking. He's kind of like the guy out in the playground. Have you ever looked at a playground If you straight people, I hope you're all that way, want to know how they sneak drugs. When you ever see a bunch of kids around a tree, and none of them are facing the tree, they all sit in a circle, maybe three of them, and they all face out, you always keep watching. So you face away. You don't face towards one another. If they're smart in it, they always face away, and they, they scope out when the teachers are coming, when the police might show up at any given time. And that's the way it works. You see, when you're not on the straight path, you've always got to be looking around. You've always got to be watching. You've always got to watch out. Maybe the fuzz are gonna arrive and we're gonna have it. And that's the language they use. You know, it goes on and on like that. Proverbs is telling you young people and mom and dads all about that. There is this wicked man. Now what should you do about this this group that wants to live for values totally different than we would ever imagine? What do you do with that? You don't take one single step along that path. Look what it says. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of evil men. Now, if you didn't get the message, look what he does in the next verse. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. And this is what he's saying in this verse. He's saying you all as young people, adults, children, are going to be walking down life. And suddenly you're going to be tempted to go like this. And you're going to be tempted to go like this. And the way it works is like this. You're happily married. Things are really strong in your marriage. You really love your wife. You go to work one day and you've been working with a knockout secretary for about six months. And suddenly as you're going by, you'd say, be sure to get this letter done. And you put your hand in her arm. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. It might just be a brother-sisterly gesture. But suddenly there's some bumps that rise up on her arm. And there's some things that every adult person in this room knows about. Suddenly you have something much more. There's a potential. Walter Wongren in his book on for me in, As for Me and My House talks about the maybe question. And right at that point, there's a big Maybe. Because a thought comes into your mind, you realize, hey, this might be just a little bit more than just a working relationship. This might be just a little bit more than just friendship. And you start to make some choices. You see, you're walking down the pathway of life. You believe in marriage. You believe in faithfulness. You believe in monogamy. You believe in having a nice, safe place for your kids with a mom and dad that are trustable. But suddenly there's a big question that comes in your mind. What about this? Maybe this. Maybe that. And if your ego is not really strong in the Lord, you don't really feel valuable. Some of you big guys feel like, oh, she would never love me. I could never have someone that attractive. And you're still a little boy when the goosebumps come up. You say, well, hey, why don't we go out to lunch? You know, just boss, you know, secretary, nothing. Just really want to appreciate how much how much it means for that you're working with me. Might be totally innocent, but you might have just taken the first step towards adultery. Because adultery doesn't just happen. Wongren makes a marvelous point of that in his book on marriage. Doesn't just happen. There's insy-bitsy decisions that are made along the way. And the daddy says to his son, before he goes out there into that big world, says to his daughter before she walks on that big world, as you're walking through life and the testing comes to take a turn, to make a choice, avoid it. Don't take one step into that path. Don't go one inch into the path away from the straight plane of God. He says, pass by it and walk on. Because when you stop in the road, when you stop just for that split second, and you start making those insy bitsy choices, and you all tell me, oh, you know, it was nothing, suddenly it becomes a giant that it's so powerful that it grabbed a hold of you, and in many ways you can't help it. But you could have. And that's what the father's saying. It's like that with drugs. Your kids say, listen, I don't take them. I believe what you tell me Sunday morning. I really love you, Dave. I believe what your holy word says. But, man, I really want to be friends. I go to parties. I know the kids are doing a lot of that stuff. But I don't have anything to do with that. You tell that to the cops when they bust the party. Because it'll be guilt by association. You're at a party, and they're snorting cocaine, smoking marijuana. When the cops bust the party, you try to tell them, And when you call your mom and dad and they are, their hearts are broken, you tell them, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. Because it'll be guilt by association and you'll have a bad turn on your record. You'll have a wrong choice, just a wrong step. You say, Dave, are you telling us we shouldn't be friends with, with kids that don't love the Lord at all? No, I'm not telling you that. Scripture says plainly that Paul told us, I'm not telling you not to have friends that are unbelievers. You straights, don't be proud. Don't be self-righteous. Invite some of those other kids to come with you. There's lots of good things you can do. There's lots of neutral things you can do. There's not even the potential of the wrong. We're not telling you to separate yourself from those kids. People need the Lord. We're not telling you adults to live in an isolated culture called Christianity, biblical Christianity. No, no, no. It's not what he's saying, Don't isolate yourself from unbelievers, but don't ever walk with unbelievers into evil. And I think you know the difference. There's a difference between going to Las Vegas to gamble, where you know that everyone involved going to be involved in, in immorality and that kind of a thing. There's a difference between that and playing racquetball with a guy. Come on, you know the difference. There's a difference when you know in your heart as a believer that you feel like, I just like to get away a little bit. I just like to get away from spirituality a little bit. You understand what I'm talking about? There's all kinds of neat things, creative things, that we need to do with unbelievers. Proverbs is not telling you to avoid that kind of contact with unbelievers. But he's saying when it's a temptation to take a little step into the pathway of evil... Avoid it like the plague. Don't even take one inchy, bitsy step into that pathway called evil. You say, why not, Dave? Because the people you'll start to associate with are unbelievably wicked. I'm going to tell you how wicked they are. Look what it says. Verse 16, the son says, he says to his dad, Dad, why in the world are you so strict like this? Why do you have these rigid rules? He says, son, I want to tell you what those people are really like. Those guys that are dealing drugs, the guy that are really involved in quick ways to make money. Right underneath the surface of any society, there's a mob. Right underneath the surface of any straight society, there's just a crooked, twisted, perverted group. And it's not that far away. It's a lot closer than you think. And he says, they can't sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. How many of you have ever had a little trouble? You couldn't go to sleep because your conscience bothered you. We've all had that, right? You know what that means? It means you're good. If you're a believer, it means the Holy Spirit's alive and well in your heart and you disobey Him and He climbs all over you because He loves you so much until He breaks your heart and He's not going to let you sleep that one out. It's going to make you miserable till you really come back home and get in love with Jesus again. What would you think of someone that can't go to sleep Because they hadn't hurt someone that day. Because they hadn't enticed somebody into a life of crime. Can you imagine how bad that is? Can you imagine someone that not only they don't have a conscience, but what keeps them awake is today. Hey, today I didn't make somebody else get involved in my sin. Today I didn't wipe someone else out. Can you imagine how wicked a person can be like that? Don't be naive about what we're up against. There are individuals out there that can't sleep. They can't even give sleep to their eyelids until they make someone fall. What else do they like? Their food is to do the evil. I mean, they live, they eat to do the wickedness. It says they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Their food and drink, their sustenance of life is to do the wicked thing. And that's someone that is that fourth class of fools, that impenetrable block that's totally resisted God. And what the Father says, the path of righteous, the contrast, verses 8 and 18 and 19, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. If you choose to walk down the pathway of evil, It's like you start out in the light. In fact, it'll be a lot of artificial light, a lot of strobe lights and blinking lights, a lot of glamour, a lot of glitz, a lot of really pleasurable times. But you're walking down a long tunnel where the lights get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And the darkness that's talked about in these verses, it uses the same word that's used in Exodus chapter 10, for the land of Egypt was totally bathed in darkness. Darkness came over the land. It was a plague of God. You see, if you take a step on this false journey, then the plague of God comes upon you. The worst darkness is when God just leaves you alone in that kingdom of darkness, because that's what it is. Satan's kingdom is a kingdom of darkness. And the worst thing, the worst punishment there is, is for God to let you walk down that road and he just leaves you alone. That's what Proverbs 1 was talking about when it talks about fools who are overcome by the whirlwind, overcome by disaster. They don't even realize it. just hits them unsuspectingly. They don't even know what makes them stumble. Does a person ever get to a place where they just do it and they can't help themselves? Yeah. They're really sick. They're really engulfed with almost complete darkness. And that's one of the worst positions in life you can ever get into. There are people out there who just live in darkness. Wrong is right. Right is wrong. Violence and hurt, wiping somebody out is the spice of life. You see how realistic the Bible is? But there's also a real positive message here. It says, if you've chosen to walk down the path of righteous, it is like the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter to the full light of day. What I covet for every one of you is that you'll take the path of righteousness. You'll take the path of walking close to God. And what happens when you walk down that path is that God turns on the light more and more and more. You understand more of love. You understand more of peace. You understand more of joy. It's like God keeps turning the light on in your life more and more powerfully. At first, when you first come to know the Lord Jesus and begin to walk down this path, there's so many things you don't understand so many things that you just really don't discern what god really wants for you but as you study god's word and you pray and you have experiences with god working through your life and you rub shoulders with other brothers and sisters that are walking down this pathway of light with you more and more you walk in the light it can happen in your home i can tell the difference whether the lights are on in our house or whether the darkness is on our house When Mary and I are making choices to walk down the path of evil, and you can let evil in just in little ways in your home, in attitudes, in things that you read, in things that you watch. Just little things. And darkness begins to come over the house, and anger and hurt. Real strong feelings of violence. All different things can come into our home. And it's like someone flipped the lights off, and everyone's stumbling around. You can also choose to be obedient to Christ. You can begin a day reading daily bread and begin the journey of that day by touching base with our Heavenly Father and letting us teach us something from His Holy Word about how to walk, about how to live. Mom and Dad can have prayer together with the kids and ask the Lord to help them as they go to school. Before you flip the light out at night, you can get together in one another's bedroom with the kids and... And read if they're little guys, read some Bible stories to them or share some things from the Word. And before they drift off to sleep, you can pray. You know, it's impossible to do that in your own strength. The hardest thing for all of you to do is to keep turning the light on in your home spiritually. But I think you know what I'm talking about. Walking in the light, we have fellowship one with another And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses away all of our sins. But when we walk in the darkness, it gets to be more and more controlling our lives. And all I pray that some of you dads will decide, man, I'm going to turn on the lights in my home spiritually. I want my family to be walking into greater light. It's not this religious Dolesville thing. It's not preaching. It's not getting a pulpit out. It's just letting Christ be the king of your own life. Mom's letting Christ be the king of your life so that you're following the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He that follows me will never walk in darkness. And that's what Proverbs is picking up on here. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn. It gets brighter and brighter to the full light of day. Then the Father had the concluding paragraph. My son, pay attention to what I say, listening closely to my words. Again, he exhorts to pay attention. Don't let them slip. Don't let them drift by out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. And here's our key verse that we were introduced to last week. Above all else, young people, moms and dads and children, above everything else, guard the core of your life, your personality, because from it are the wellsprings of life. If the wellspring is right, if the core of your personality is right, you'll keep perversity from your mouth. The way to control your tongue is by allowing the spirit to be changing your heart. You don't work on the tongue. You go back to the core of the problem, which is a perverted heart. And you allow the spirit to change that heart. And then you don't speak with a forked tongue. Put away perversity from your mouth. With your eyes... The way to control your eyes is to be focused on the right goal. You see, if you're focused right, you don't keep looking around, and you're able to avoid some of those seductions off the path of righteousness. And then you make sure you're going the right place with your feet. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. So he closes, how do you have a healthy heart? He says you need to learn how to hug the right woman. That's the first verses 1 through 9. Hug the right woman. Hug lady wisdom. You got me? you got to learn how to hug the right person. The passion of your heart, rather than being towards a prostitute or an immoral man, it needs to be for the skillful things we can learn from God's Word. Every one of you will make a choice. Are you going to follow lady wisdom, skillful living, obeying what God's Word teaches you, or are you going to walk down a different path? You can make that choice, but you can't control where the path Will end up. What the Father does in the next section, verses 10 and following, is He talks about making a decision in your heart to walk down the right path. I think all of us need to ask ourselves, which path am I walking down today? Which road am I going down? Are the lights getting turned on brighter? Or are things getting dark in here? And you know the difference. And finally, He closes saying, Listen, your heart is the most valuable possession you got. Guard it. I want you to really pray that I'll be able to guard my heart. It's talking about a need to guard our hearts every single day. You see, my heart might be warm towards Jesus Christ today, but in my humanity, I can be cold tomorrow. And then things are dark again, and I begin to walk into chaos. And if I walk far enough down that road, I'll trip and I'll fall and that's how it happens, even to Christian leaders, because every single day, you've got to ask yourself, "How's my heart today? Where's my heart?" Some of you say, "Well, man, I go through time in my life, man, I don't feel spiritual at all. You know, it's Sunday morning. you ever feel like not coming to church Sunday morning? How many of you ever feel like that? Your heart's just really not in it. You know, man, you just have had a bad week, the kids have been sick and uh you're just really not into this spiritual thing ever have that kind of a heart and some of you ignore that you know some of you say oh no no no, i don't have that at all you know and you're you're so disciplined man you come here anyway i want to share something with you i feel like that on sunday morning as well sometimes and i gotta come you see i don't even get paid if i don't come kim will not give me my check till i'm done speaking on sunday morning you say dave you really feel that way yeah I'm not going to be a preacher that plays a game with you. I'm not super holy. I have the same attitudes and emotions you do. You say, Dave, what do you do about it? I talk to the Lord about my heart. I say, Lord, i got a really lousy heart today. It's really being attracted and seduced into a lot of different areas. Things are out of focus. And that's the way I am without you. In my old nature, that's just the way I am. And I say, Jesus Christ, I'm shared with you honestly. I'm not faking anything out about what's inside of me. And you live in my heart. You are the invisible presence, Jesus Christ, in my heart. And honestly, I share with you how I feel. And I want your power. I make a decision with my will. I want your power to enter into my life and help me to have a healthy heart. You see, this whole thing has to be a miracle. It all has to be a a miracle of a free gift of Jesus Christ moving in our heart. Because if we're left to our own devices, if you try to overcome this thing with your own willpower, you're going to turn off the road and you're going to wipe yourself out. You see, what I'm closing with today is that all of us need grace. We need grace every single day. And I also want to tell you, some of you sit there and say, David, I've been walking off the road for a long time. In fact, I'm in so much darkness. I'm a basket case. And as I hear you talk, it sounds like a really great thing for some of the young people that haven't messed things up. But there's no hope for me. Oh, yes, there is. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that anybody... doesn't make any difference what you've done, what your past is, what journey you've made, that anyone puts all their confidence for eternal life in what Jesus did for them, God will give you the promise of that long life that the Father talked to us about, living forever in a joyful, intimate relationship with God. You see, that's what grace is all about. It's a totally free miracle of divine love giving birth in your own life. You can bow your head as we pray and you can invite Christ into your heart. Why don't you do that? Some of you believers have had heart trouble this week. I've had to really talk to the Lord like when I've spoken 12 hours and I jump on a plane at 4 o'clock in the morning yesterday or start driving to Albany, get in a plane, arrive back here, my heart emotionally isn't real warm. I can say, man, Lord, just give me a couple days break. He says, no, no, no. I've got some more things that I want you to do. And the Lord says, Dave, it doesn't depend upon you anyway. You ought to know that by now. Just let me work. Just let me share through you. I have heart difficulties just like you. But I'm not discouraged because I really believe there's an unseen Christ who's working in this family of believers, who can work into some impossible situations that some of you are facing right now. And He wants to bring not darkness, not stumbling. He wants to bring light. He wants to bring darkness gifts he wants to bring love let's close in prayer father we pray that this would be a morning of light for us true light not the the light of the occult of the demonic worship where satan talks so much about light and yet he delivers darkness and violence and immorality and death we're just so thankful that there's a there's a way that seems right unto man but the end thereof are the ways to death But we're so thankful for a living christ that told us that he was the way the truth and the life that we could come unto you and we pray to you because we've come to know you through your son we'd ask you father that you would use proverbs 4 that we would really think about this message about how to have a healthy spiritual core to our being father i would pray that we would be in this together where we can share honestly some of the temptations that we're struggling with, where we can share some of the emotions that come over us, that try to pull us away. We pray that you would give us just a genuine integrity of a love relationship with you. Father, use what we've shared today to help us to do that most vital thing. Above all things, guard your heart, for from it are the wellsprings of life. I pray that the living water would well up with inside every person, refreshing them, renewing them, would be revitalizing them because Jesus is right at the center of their heart, the fountain of living water. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.